Thanks for listening to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, which means if you have never been to church, walked away from church, or are struggling to find a church to connect with, you belong here. As of March 7th, you can join us in person on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. at our new church home at 5103 Pegasus Court. You can also continue to watch online on Facebook or through the Church Center app. Either way, we hope you join us. Now, let's check out Sunday's message. All right, by a round of applause, how many of you would say that you love horror movies? Okay. <laughs> no one clapped at first service. Like, okay, so first service, everybody lies. That's all right. Uh, you, you know, you love horror movies, so you love sitting on the edge of your seat and waiting for something or someone to jump out and make your heart race. You love the twists and turns. You won't admit it, uh, but you kind of love the blood and gore when it's so overdone that it feels a bit kitschy. You love that there are 10 sequels to each movie because you don't even care that there are plot holes. You just want to be scared. Now, I am a big fan of scary movies, but my wife is not, so I tend to watch them alone. Typically, she'll go to Indiana to visit her family once a year, and in that time frame while she is gone, I binge every horror movie that I can find. Just last summer, I watched Get Out, It, Quiet Place, and like 20 Purge movies in like a three-day weekend because she won't watch any of them with me. And maybe you don't love scary movies. Maybe you're more of a fan of thrillers or suspenseful movies like Gone Girl or Joker. Or maybe you love shows like The Walking Dead. Ultimately, anything that gets your heart pounding a little bit. A recent study published in the Journal of Media Psychology found that people watch scary movies for three reasons. Tension, relevance, and unrealism. For some, watching scary movies is about the tension that the scenes create. Right? These movies often are thought of as a full experience because you don't just watch and listen, you feel, right? Because your body responds to what you're watching. Others are drawn to these types of movies due to relevance because they find elements in the movies that they can relate to. Now, I'm not sure how anyone relates to running away from someone and falling down and tripping one million times, but the truth is some of you are clumsier than others, so it just makes sense. But the reason that stands out to me the most why people watch scary movies is due to the unrealism. These people enjoy watching these movies because they know for a fact that it's all fake. It's just pure entertainment. Another study on these types of movies found that people who like horror movies tend to enjoy feeling really intense emotions like fear. But here's the thing. No one actually wants to be afraid. No one actually wants to live in fear, right? I mean, one of the reasons why people love scary movies is because they know that they are ultimately in control, which isn't that scary, right? At any point during the movie, if you get too afraid, you can turn it off. You can fast forward. You can close your eyes and the story keeps going without impacting you at all. And you also know that after 90 minutes, it's over. There's resolution. The main character ends up coming out or okay or they accomplish the goal they set out to accomplish. You see, we love scary movies because it's not real life because many crave the tension that fear creates, but the safety to know that nothing bad is actually going to happen to them. Because fear is great when we can control it. But fear that is real can be crippling. Fear that can't be controlled leads to anxiety and worry. Fear in real life leads to inaction and insecurity. Fear sits inside of our head and dominate, dominates what we do and think and how we respond to what's going on in our lives. 
So we have to learn how to deal with her fears. Now, if you're new to Collective or you've missed the past few weeks, I wanna take a moment to catch you up. We're in the middle of a series called Inside My Head. And each week we are talking about mental health and faith. And so we're learning about what God teaches through the Bible about some of the biggest mental health obstacles that we face on a regular basis. And we're encouraging everyone in here and online to invest in their own mental health right now. And there's just a few ways you can do that that we talked about in this series, but being here and worshiping with other people, right? We know for a fact that your mental health is better when you are here with other people. Reading your Bible, finding a community, taking 60 seconds every day to pray and seek out God's peace, going to counseling. And the reason we're talking about mental health is because mental health matters, right? We see throughout the Old and New Testament of the Bible that God cares about our minds. He cares about our mental health. Nothing we are feeling is new to the world. And people have struggled since the beginning of time with feelings of anxiety, fear, shame, depression. And because God cares about our mental health, we should as well. Next week, we have a really special Sunday because my own personal therapist will be speaking here. And I know what some of you are thinking, there's no way Michael needs a therapist. He clearly has his entire life together. Just kidding, nobody thinks that, that's why I love this church. Uh, I am a mess of a human being and I rely on Jesus, my wife, my friends and counseling to be a slightly less mess of a human being. And I'm honored that my therapist will be here next week to share. Also, if you're hoping that he comes up here and he says something juicy about me, he won't, it's called HIPAA, okay? But if you hang out here long enough, I'll spill the tea on my own self and you'll hear about all my baggage from stage. So let's talk about fear. What are you afraid of, right? What is the thing that you spend way too much time obsessing over every day and getting inside your own head and creating a narrative that leads to the worst case scenario? What are you afraid of? There are no shortage of things surrounding us right now that scream at us, be afraid, be very afraid, right? You have to be really naive or in denial if you don't look around this world and realize that there is some really scary and heavy stuff going on and you can't ignore it, right? We can't pretend that it's not real, so what do we do, right? How are we supposed to deal with life when it gets scary? Because scary stuff isn't going away anytime soon, and we know that. So we have some stuff to figure out, right? We have to make a plan because there has to be a better way than living constantly in a state of fear. And fear in and of itself isn't actually a mental health issue. It really isn't, and fear can also be a good thing. For example, my two and a half year old Harper is pretty much not afraid of anything. Uh, and that's cool when we're at the park or when she's learning how to ride her scooter, but it's not cool when we're at home and I'm doing dishes and she reaches into the dishwasher and grabs the biggest knife we have because she wants to help out. Right? I want her to have a healthy fear of knives and sharp things and also stabbing her dad while he's doing dishes. Right? And not, it's not that we don't want her to ever use them. We just want her to learn how to use them. But fear, when it's unhealthy, leads to many of the mental health struggles that we face, as well as some physical struggles. Living with chronic fear weakens our immune system, can cause cardiovascular damage, and can lead to decreased fertility. Chronic fear can accelerate aging and even premature death. It can impair formation of long-term memories and cause damage to certain parts of the brain, which make it even more dip difficult to regulate fear and can leave a person anxious most of the time. So ultimately it becomes this fear cycle, right? More fear leads to more anxiety, more anxiety, more fear. 
Fear can interrupt processes in our brain that allow us to regulate emotions, read nonverbal cues, reflect before acting, and making ethical decisions. It impacts our thinking and decision-making in negative ways, leading us susceptible to intense emotions and impulsive reactions. Fear can cause fatigue, anxiety, clinical depression, and PTSD. And so while living in fear isn't always a mental health issue, it can be the catalyst for many of the struggles that people are facing today. And the way that God made us is that when we're confronted with something really scary, we have two choices, fight or flight. This is a physical reaction that occurs when we're in the presence of something that is mentally or physically terrifying. And it's triggered by the release of hormones that prepare our body to either stay and deal with the threat or run away. And psychologists will tell you that both reactions can be healthy, right? That both reactions are necessary depending on the circumstances. For example, if you're being charged by a bear and you don't want to choose to fight, it is a good thing to run away. Someone at first service is like, actually, you should just lay down. That gets you killed, okay? Just run as fast as you can. You should flight. But if a bear is charging your family, you might not be able to choose flight because you need to stay and protect your loved ones. Does that make sense? And so while both can be the right reaction to fear, depending on the circumstances, today I'm going to challenge you to choose to fight. When you are faced with fear, instead of choosing to throw up your hands and say, I can't fix this, I need to get out of here, I need to run away, there's nothing I can do about this, this scary thing wins, I want you to choose to fight. That means you're going to look that thing in the eye and you're going to confront it. And you're gonna to go to battle and you're gonna drive it away so it does not steal or kill or destroy you or something or someone that you care about. Now, I'm not a prophet, but I bet that when I said that you have to choose to fight, some of you thought, and how am I supposed to do that? Right, I lost my job. How am I supposed to fight that? How am I supposed to fight financial uncertainty? How am I supposed to fight a pandemic? Like, what am I supposed to do? How do I go to battle against contracting or spreading a virus? There's nothing I can do about those things. I didn't cause them and I can't fix them. I can't make them stop. I can't make them go away. And I get that. And I agree. There are some things that you absolutely get no say in. But the question that is being asked is not, how can I change my circumstances so they aren't scary anymore? The question is, how do I fight fear when my circumstances are scary, frightening, and unknown? That's the question. And you have to choose. You have two choices when facing fear, fight or flight. You have to choose one or the other. You have to choose what are you going to do when you are faced with fear? Do you run away? Do you keep living in fear? Do you keep allowing fear to wreck your mental health with catastrophizing every scenario you're faced with? Or do you fight? Do you push against fear? Do you push against that voice inside of your head that scares you to the point of doing nothing and allowing that fear to consume you? Now, I know that this is where I'm gonna lose a few of you, so please hang with me. And the people I'm gonna lose are people who are just like me, control freaks. Here's some hard truth. Most things that happen in your life are beyond your control. If this season has taught us anything, It's taught us that most of the things that happen on a big scale in our life are beyond our control. We didn't get a choice. We didn't get a say. Most of the universe is not in our control. I'll give you an example. You can eat healthy. You can work out regularly. You can avoid bad habits. But if some cancer cell in your body gets triggered and starts to reproduce, it's not because you did or didn't do something right. It just happened. 
right? You didn't get a say in it. You didn't get to control it. Or how about this? You can drive safely. You can obey all the laws. But if a drunk driver crosses the line and plows into your car, it's not because you did something wrong. It was out of your control, right? We have all had bad things happen to us or the people we love that is out of their control. They've been hurt. They've lost things. They've lost family members. They've lost kids. They've lost parents. They've lost friends. Not because they did something wrong or if they could have controlled it, maybe something different would have happened. It's just not true. And yes, we do control our individual actions and there are consequences for our bad decisions, but we can't control other people, right? We can't control the universe, but we can control how we respond to the scary things that are happening in our lives right now. That is in our control. And so some of you are faced with things out of your control right now that are terrifying. And I get that. I read the prayer requests every week at Collective. I read about the diagnosis that changes everything. I read about the ex who's making decisions just to cause pain. I've read about the long-term sickness that won't go away. I read about the job loss. And those are scary situations. And the crappy part is they're out of our control. Because if you could control them, you would absolutely choose a different outcome, but you can't. And because of that, you're afraid. And now you have to choose how you respond. And so we're gonna read a story in the Bible that involves Jesus and his closest friend, Peter. And I wanna look at Jesus's approach to the fear that Peter has. And I wanna connect that to our lives right now. And so for context, Jesus had just got done feeding 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish. It was a miracle. It was amazing. But this is what happens next in Matthew 14. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills to pray by himself. Now this is called quiet time. Some of you are parents and forgot what this is like because you've been working remotely and your kids have been doing school remotely and you have a codependent dog that needs just as much attention as the kids. But one of the reasons why I love Jesus is because there were times when he would step away alone and recharge. He would spend time one-on-one -on -one with God. He would pray. He didn't always feel like he had to be physically leading his disciples. He didn't always feel like he had to have a huge crowd around him. He didn't always feel like he had to be the center of attention. Right? Sometimes he just needed a few moments alone and we should do the same. One of the best things that you can do for your mental and spiritual health is intentionally have time during the day where you spend time alone with God. Right? Jesus did it, so should we. The story continues. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land for a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. So after praying, Jesus looks up and sees his friends are struggling in the middle of a storm. So he catches up. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on water, right? So Jesus does a Jesus thing, right? He walks on water. And it's not really fair because everyone else would have to walk around or wait for the boat to get to the other side, but that's not what Jesus did. Jesus simply steps out into the storm and walks on the lake and goes to the boat. And the disciples responded appropriately. When the disciples saw him walking on water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. Now, in my mind, it's like Scooby-Doo. And they're like, it's a ghost. And they like run and like, it's just, everything's a cartoon right now in my brain. Right? And this is a reasonable response, right? Of course they're afraid. 
Of course they cry out in fear. They were on a boat in the middle of a storm and a figure that looks like Jesus is approaching them. They'd never seen anything like this before. Sure, they just saw Jesus multiply five loaves of bread and two fish and feed thousands of people, but this was different and they were afraid. And this is what Jesus did. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage, I am here. Growing up, I had a very healthy and reasonable fear of roller coasters. And because of that, I just wouldn't ride them. And this was complicated because my family had a yearly tradition of ending summer with a trip to King's Dominion. And part of that yearly tradition was my brother and my dad would try to convince me to get on the Anaconda with them. If you've been to King's Dominion, you know what the Anaconda is. It's like the most ratchet roller coaster that ever existed. And I remember every single year standing in the entrance for the line and my brother saying, don't be afraid. You don't have to be scared. It's not that scary. And I remember thinking, why don't I have to be afraid? Because you said so, right? Did you build the roller coaster so you know that everything is safe? Are you friends with the people who check the rides to make sure I won't fall out and die and they told you this is the safest roller coaster on the planet? Are you strong enough to hold me into this ride when the bars unlatch and I get hurled out of my seat? Why don't I have to be afraid? And sometimes the phrase don't be afraid can feel patronizing. And honestly, sometimes it is. But that's not what is happening in the story because Jesus doesn't just tell them to not be afraid. He says, don't be afraid because I'm here. I'm here. So the first thing about fear that I want to point out from this story is that one of the ways that we fight fear is holding on to the truth that God is with us. One of the ways that we fight fear is by holding on to the truth that God is with us. One of the names we use for God is Emmanuel. And it comes up every Christmas, but it's 365. And it means God with us, right? Jesus doesn't say, don't be afraid because I'm not a ghost, right? Jesus doesn't say, don't be afraid because that's irrational. Jesus doesn't say, don't be afraid because I said so. He says, you don't have to be afraid because I'm here. I'm with you. You are not alone. And I know that it sounds weird to fight fear with this, but hear me out. I have more courage when I know that I'm not alone. I have more courage when I know that someone who loves me is with me. I have more courage when I know that someone else is seeing what I'm seeing, and that's Jesus. Do you know what the most read verse in the Bible app was in 2020? Isaiah 41.10, it says this, don't be afraid for I'm with you. Don't be discouraged for I'm your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. In 2019, it was Philippians 4, 6. We read this one last week. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. In 2018, it was Isaiah 41, 10 again. And in 2017, it was Joshua 1, 9. that says, this is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Do not be afraid because I am with you. Whatever you are facing, whatever big and scary thing is right in front of you, whatever you are afraid of right now, one of the truths that you need to hold on to is that God is with you, 
right? God, who wants what is best for you. God, who promises to go ahead of you. God, who says he will protect you. God, who calls you his prized possession. God, who loves you so much that he would give up his own son for you. God, who walks on water and does miracles and signs and wonder. That God is with you, right? You fight fear with the truth that God is with you always. But the story doesn't just end there. This is what happens next. Then Peter called out to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and he began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. So here's the second thing from the story that I wanna point out. Sometimes when we are brave, Sometimes when we have courage, sometimes when we take that step out of the boat, it doesn't last, right? Life hits us in the face. Our fear comes back, new fears emerge, our courage falls short, and halfway through something happens and we cry out. But look again what Jesus does. Let's look back at verse 30 and 31 again. It says, but when he saw the strong winds and waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. Right, as Peter began to sink, Jesus immediately reaches out and catches him. Right? He doesn't let Peter sink and wait for him to struggle before telling him, I told you not to be afraid. He doesn't let Peter get close to drowning in order to teach him a lesson. Jesus catches him, right? So we hold on to the truth that God is with us and we hold on to the truth that God will catch us when we fall. So listen, I know you are afraid. I know there are scary things going on in your life. I know there are things every day that make your heart race. I know there are things right in front of you that are out of your control. But Jesus shows us two things in this story. We don't need to be afraid because he is with us and he will catch us when we start to sink. And those are the reasons why we fight. Right? Those are the reasons we push through fear. Those are the reasons we move forward in uncertainty. Those are the reasons we can call a counselor and set up our first appointment. Those are the reasons we can tell that person in our life that's hurting us that we don't need to have a relationship with them anymore. Those are the reasons we get up in the morning and get out of bed, even though sometimes we don't want to. Those are the reasons why you take next steps in your own faith. As you can see, the baptism trough is up here again. And last week we celebrated Paige who's baptized and today we're celebrating Ian. But a lot of you see this trough and your heart starts pounding. You feel anxious because you know that this is the next step that you need to take in your faith, but you're afraid. And the truth is a lot of you have a faith that looks a lot like running away. It looks a lot like flight because you think, what if I'm not good enough, right? What if I struggle with my faith after I take this step? What if my parents don't understand why I did this because they sprinkled me as a baby? What if my friends make fun of me for doing this? What if something bad happens and God doesn't fix it and I begin to lose trust in him? What if? And I know, I know that some of you are struggling with this because you've checked the baptism box in the last few weeks and Danielle has reached out to you and you haven't responded. And I would guess that there are people in this room and watching online right now where that email is still in their inbox because they're afraid. And so my challenge to you when it comes to your own faith is do not let fear stop you from experiencing the life that Jesus has for you, right? Don't let fear stop you from receiving the grace and love that he offers you. 
listen, we know what you're thinking, but I don't deserve it. And that's the point. Listen, any next step in your life is intimidating, whether it's your faith or your relationships, your career, whatever it may be, it's intimidating, right? We know that baptism is intimidating. It's scary. And we're not downplaying that at all. Most people who step into this tub are terrified, but not one person who has stepped out of this tub soaking wet has regretted it because they are choosing to hold on to the truth that God is with them and he will catch them when they fall. And there is so much joy and so much peace found in that. So do not let fear get in the way of what Jesus wants for you. Life is scary. It just is. But there are times, and I would argue that this is more often than not, where we need to fight. We need to take action. We need to take one step forward knowing that things might not go the way we hope, but it's okay because God is with us. And the more we do that, the more we push through that fear, the more peace we will find because we will start to realize that things aren't as scary as we make them out to be in our mind. And that failing isn't as scary, that the unknown isn't as scary, that things out of our control aren't as scary, and that life isn't as scary as we make it out to be because we know that the Lord our God is with us wherever we go. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage, I am here. Let's pray. God, we know that, um, that every single person in this room, every single person watching online, um, everybody that was here earlier, God, we know that everybody is wrestling and struggling with something. God, a lot of that is out of our control. And because of that, we're just afraid. God, we're afraid of what will happen next. God, we're afraid if things don't go the way that we hope. We're afraid if things don't go the way we had prayed. But God, we're reminded in this story, we're reminded by Peter in his own faith that God, it's okay for us to take that step forward because you're here, because you're with us. And God, even though we might start to sink and even though we might start to fail, God, you reach out and grab us every single time. So God, I pray this week that for everybody in here that's wrestling with that next step they need to take, whether it's in faith or relationship or whatever it may be, God, they don't let fear stop them from moving forward. God, they don't let fear stop them from peace. They don't let fear stop them from joy. They don't let fear stop them from grace. So God, give us the courage this week. Help us know that you are with us. Help us feel that this week and help us have the courage to take the next step that we need to take in our life. God, we love you and pray these things in your name. Amen.